everyone. I'm Jensine Bard, and welcome to Testimony, where truth is told, lives are changed, and hope is given. Revelation 12:11 tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, a testimony of your story for His glory. They threw pennies on the ground to see if the, quote, dirty Jew, born with a form of dwarfism, could pick them up. And this, just one example of the ridicule, bullying, and anti-Semitic treatment my next guest would endure on her journey to finding her Messiah, and gloriously so, as you will soon hear. What Satan meant for evil, to tear down and destroy, God turned to his glory, and beautifully so. Ladies and gentlemen, would you welcome to testimony a great joy indeed, my long-awaited exclusive with founder of Devar Shalom Ministries, ordained minister, teacher, speaker, veteran pediatric occupational therapist, and author of her latest, God is in the Waiting, finding strength in the things that cause us to pause, and if I may add, a quote, pint of power, purpose, and praise that God has wonderfully made. Please welcome Reverend Suzanne Lynette, or as her friends like to call her, Susie. Reverend Lynette, Susie, if I may, welcome to Testimony. Well, thank you so much. It is an honor and a privilege to be here. Well, it is an honor to have you here, Susie. We first met at an international prayer gathering where you graced everyone's lives with your presence, your words, and also your latest great read, God is in the Waiting, which you kindly gave to yours truly, your very last copy. However, little did I anticipate it would take nearly two years from that day to this to bring your story to testimony for such a time as this at no fault of your own and yet Susie after reading your 52-week devotional perhaps this is why God really is in the waiting with the current pandemic and shutdowns a message and your story needed now more than ever but before we get to your latest great read would you just share with our listeners how you came to faith in Jesus Christ, Yeshua, your Messiah. Certainly, and thank you. I was raised on the East Coast in a culturally Jewish home, but yet very secularly. We followed the Jewish traditions and the holidays, but did not necessarily attend synagogue on a regular basis. My parents were quite um sure that my sisters and I all attended our religious school training, but we did not necessarily attend the synagogue as a family. However, the community in which we lived was predominantly Jewish. The public schools were closed on the Jewish holidays. And so cultural tradition and all sorts of other aspects of life were very much a part of how I was raised. In 1967, we moved 3,000 miles away to Southern California as my father climbed the corporate ladder. The community in which we moved was very much not Jewish and very culturally different from 
anything that I had ever experienced. I had just turned 14, was about to enter high school on a campus where I would not have ever met anyone before. So it was a little bit difficult. And as you mentioned, as word got out that I was Jewish, kids did throw pennies at me to see if I would bend over as a cheap Jew to pick them up. And then, of course, because of the dwarfism, there was a certain amount of ridicule with that. But I was a good student. I did what I needed to do. The following year, a family that lived next door came over to my house and asked me if I would consider a regular weekly babysitting job. And, of course, I said, yes, I was a teenager. They were next door. The kids were well-behaved. What's not to love? So I did it. Not a problem. I soon discovered that the couple was going weekly to a Bible study, and they were very evangelical Christians, and that is the family for whom I was babysitting. They would begin to share with me when they came home different things that they were learning. For the most part, I was able to pass it off because it was out of the New Testament, which the Jews don't read, and so it was like, okay, I'll be polite to you and listen, but none of it has meaning for me. I will never forget the night they came home and sat down and read to me out of the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 26, where it says, let us make man in our image. And then very quietly, they just asked me a question. Why is it plural if there is no trinity? Why didn't God just say, I will make man in my image if it is just a unified one God and no Father, Son, and Spirit? I had no answer for that. But I took the question to the rabbi at the synagogue where I was undergoing um, education at the time, and he was actually the teacher for my class. So I asked him, saying rather derisively, you know, these Christians are trying to convert me, and they showed me this, but tell me the truth. His response stunned me in that he said, well, the sages don't have an answer. We don't understand. On one hand, I applaud the fact that this man was at least honest, that he could not answer. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I was very disappointed and had no way to combat what was being told to me. That verse stuck with me. Eventually, of course, I graduated high school, went off to college. The kids grew up and didn't need a babysitter. And now we're flashing forward. After college, I got my first job, worked for a couple of years left that job for a higher-paying one, pulled all of my savings out to put as a down payment on my home, and the day after escrow closed, the organization for which I was now working lost funding and I was out of work. So now I had a mortgage payment and no job and no savings since that had gone into the down payment. I was mortified. I was scared. I tried to do everything. I did multi-level marketing stuff. I looked for new jobs, of course. I did all kinds of things to make ends meet. One night in my bedroom with the lights off, I just screamed at the ceiling and said, God, if you really exist, this would be a very good time to prove it. Well, some might say coincidentally, but with the Lord, I don't believe there are coincidences. I believe there are divine appointments. Uh-huh friend that I had just met through the multi-level marketing was having dinner with friends of hers, and she told them that she felt a very strong pull of God to start sharing the good news with Jewish people. They looked at her and said, well, Lois, 
your new acquaintance, Susie, is Jewish. She had no idea. <laughs> well, Again, divine appointment. She called me in the morning and said, because by that time I had found a new job, it was just very tight because I had been out of work for a while and the new job was at a significantly lower salary. And so I was struggling. And she called me and said, after work today, come on up to my house. I'll give you dinner. Well, I'm a struggling, starving young woman. And so if you feed me, I will come. Right. And I went up there. But even before that, she said, come up for dinner because it's time for me to start telling you about God. I froze because I knew that only a few hours earlier, I had screamed at the ceiling in the darkness and had said, God, if you exist, prove it. And now just a few hours later, here's this woman calling me and telling me it is time to tell me about God. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to author of her latest great read, Susie Lynette, God is in the Waiting. Yes, Susie, please continue. Thank you. And I, of course, was stunned. I did not reveal that to the friend who had called me, but of course, I knew about it. That evening after work, I went up to her house. She had, during the day, gone out and bought me a Bible that had the New Testament in it. And after dinner, we sat down. She opened to Genesis 126, let us make man in our image. Again, I sort of froze. This was 12 years later, different county, different everything. And this woman came to the exact same verse that had stunned me when I was a teenage babysitter. How did she know that? Why would she have picked that verse out of everything in Scripture? Well, of course, I know the answer to that now, but at the time, I was speechless. And for me, being speechless is miraculous enough in itself. <laughs> Any, anyway, we went on, and she started to share. And we started to study regularly. Now, Lois was a nurse. She was the charge nurse at a locked psychiatric unit, uh, nearby at a local hospital, and she worked the 11 p.m. to 7 in the morning shift, and at 7 in the morning, I was just leaving my house to go to my new job. One time, she called me in the morning as we were transitioning. She was coming off of work, and I was leaving to go, and I said to her, you know, I was reading that Bible you gave me last night, and I wish I could have called you. It was before cell phones, and she said, well, next time, here's the number for the nurse's station. Give me a call. Maybe, you know, if it's a quick minute, I can answer. So I started doing that. And that morphed into me coming home from work, eating some dinner, getting a few hours of sleep, and then driving in the middle of the night up to the hospital. She would let me in through the back entrance, and we would study the Word of God in the nurse's station at this locked psychiatric unit. I have to stop you right there. Now that is incredible, how God works. This is cause for pause. Please continue. Thank you. And at one point, Lois, my friend, finally had to let the psychiatrist at the unit know what was happening. As you mentioned, I have a form of dwarfism. I'm only four feet tall, even though I am an adult. And one night, one of the patients got up came out, looked at me, because I don't look typical, and shook his head, saying I need more medicine, went back to bed, 
and in the morning told his psychiatrist about the funny little people running around the hospital at night. <laughs> so Lois had to confess what was going on, but fortunately it did not cause a problem for her. We continued this kind of study for quite a while. You know, the Lord also blesses those who are seeking him. And although I did not know what was going on at the time, but as I was getting hungrier and hungrier for the truth and the word, during those couple of months, I received a 17% pay raise, which solved my financial crisis. And several other things happened in which God just sovereignly reached down and blessed me, even though I did not acknowledge him yet. Finally, one day, I went to work, and I kind of knew what I needed to do in terms of professing faith, but also knew that it would create an uproar and crisis in my family and other kinds of things. So I had one foot in, one foot out. I went to work, and the other therapist with whom I shared the office called in sick. Well, that meant I had to reschedule people. I had to adjust my own caseload to cover any that were in crisis, all sorts of things like that. My boss showed up because now that I had worked there for six months, it was time for my performance appraisal. The state showed up, their auditors who audited our medical records, and an orthopedic surgeon showed up on the wrong day wondering why the kids he came to see were not there. And they were all asking me questions all simultaneously. I finally ran to the ladies' room because all of these other people were men and none of them could follow me there. <laughs> and I thought, okay, I'm going Smart to have move. a couple of moments to just breathe. Well, I don't think it's accidental that it's been also called the throne room. So there in the ladies' room, I cried out to Yeshua, Jesus, and said, I need you. I know what I need you. I certainly need you now through all of this, or I'm not going to get through this day. And all of this has brought me to the point of thanking you for saving me, thanking you. I, I proclaim you as my Messiah and my Lord. After I left that encounter, I went back into my office. The state packed up their records and said, you know what? We'll come back when the other therapist is here. This is unfair to dump it all on you. The orthopedic surgeon said, you know, I realized because my office just called me. I am here on the wrong day. And. I'm supposed to be somewhere else, and he left. My boss, who also was a therapist, said, you know what? You do your own caseload. I'll cover those of the therapists that called and sick today, and you don't have to mess with it. And I again said, wow, here's a miracle right away in terms of all of these difficulties just dissipating. So one could say I received instruction in the Word of God at a locked site unit and accepted him sitting on the porcelain throne. That, to me, proves that God does have a sense of humor. <laughs> amen and amen and hallelujah as well. Ladies and gentlemen, again, you're listening to author, preacher, teacher, Susie Lynette. Susie, let's get into your book, God is in the Waiting, how you came to write it. What about its message resonates now more than ever? Your thoughts? Well, that, it was interesting how that came into being, I had already published one book that's significantly different than that one, and I really had not planned on writing a book, but something happened and I fell, fracturing my left femur, the thigh bone, and fracturing it completely that it was severed in two. 
I was taken by ambulance to the hospital, um, needed major surgery, was not allowed to bear weight on that leg for 11 weeks. And during all of this time in the hospital and then getting rehab therapy and then finally at home with a therapist coming to my house, but a caregiver because I still couldn't walk, I just kept telling the Lord, you have to redeem this time somehow because I just feel that even though the Lord had not pushed me to fall, I don't mean it that way, but what has happened can be used for your glory. Well, each morning, starting the day after the surgery, when I would wake up in the hospital, I would get a verse in my head about waiting on him. So I would look at that verse and I would pray, and I really composed what I thought was a little post for Facebook. And so I put out on Facebook, you know, today this verse comes to mind, and what the Lord is showing me with it is such and so. Well, about 10 days into that, I had friends starting to call me and say, don't put any more on Facebook. This needs to be a book. This needs to be a, a devotional. This is not for Facebook publication. Well, I didn't necessarily listen to them. I kept doing it on Facebook, but I did start compiling what I wrote. And when it was done, I just sent it off to a publisher that had been recommended to me to say, hey, do you think this is worthwhile or not? And it came back with a resounding yes. And so the book was published, and it sells, and it's available through my website, it's available on Amazon, and there we have it. Certainly not a book I anticipated, but it all started when I broke my leg. Amen and amen. Romans eight twenty eight comes to mind. God works all things out for His glory to those that are called according to His purpose. In your book, Susie Lynette, God is in the waiting. You have 52 weeks of devotions based on your personal experiences and the lessons learned from each. Talk about three of those lessons that stand out most and why. Well, the first one to me would even be the very first day. I was taken to the emergency room, of course, and x-rays taken. The orthopedic surgeon came in dressed in scrubs, having seen the x-ray and probably thinking he was going to take me straight into surgery. Instead, when he looked at me, because the part of the x-ray that he saw did not show him that I am dwarfed, he realized that the standard plates and screws that he would normally have used on an adult would not work for me and that he would have to figure something else out. And so he looked at me and he said, okay, you're going to stay on morphine for another 24 hours while I figure out what to do. And he looked at me and he said, the statement is this, good enough isn't. And I knew then that I had the right surgeon show up. Turned out later, several months later, I discovered, well, guess what? He's a believer. And he prays. And he knew, and he was given what to do. He actually took 3D images of my leg and designed the plate and screw to fit me in a machine shop that would fit to my particular bone structure rather than just saying, well, you're just going to walk with a limp or be in pain for the rest of your life because there's nothing more I can do. There's nothing developed for someone like you. He developed it. That, to me, was an amazingly powerful statement about waiting because if I had demanded another doctor to do surgery that night, 
rather than giving him that 24 hours in which I had to wait, the right treatment plan would not have come. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Susie Lynette, author of her latest great read, God is in the Waiting. You are not only a practicing pediatric occupational therapist, 40 plus years now as I understand it, but also a sought after speaker and teacher across the country in churches and synagogues, uniting Christians and Jews in the foundations of their faith. Talk about the practical applications of your teaching and how your nonprofit ministry, Devar Shalom, which means word of peace in Hebrew, came into being. Well, it started in a Bible study. I was praying about what the Lord would want me to do next. And I would say out of the blue, but again, it's one of those divine encounters. A gentleman that I knew called me and said that he was put in charge of a Bible institute that would be held by a four-square church locally. And he wanted to know if I would teach a class on the Hebraic foundations of Christianity. So I prayed and said yes, and that started this whole thing. Fifteen weeks later, when that class came to an end, various people who were in attendance went to the pastor and kept asking him, when will Susie do more? Eventually that morphed into starting to do a once a month study and that went to twice a month, and that went to Devar Shalom, and two and a, I will say two and a half books later, because my third book is being edited right now, here we are. And what I teach is that neither Jew nor Gentile are better than each other, because it says in Scripture there is no Greek nor Jew. But yet, as we understand each other, we grow together. People have a misperception about being grafted in as a church or the Gentiles because we are not in an agricultural uh, society anymore. So what, one of the things I share is I, I give a little parable of my own. I said there was a farmer with a prized peach tree and a prized plum tree. And one night there was a violent storm The next morning, he went out, and the peach tree had lost a major branch. It was oozing sap, and it was going to die unless there was a way to fix it. The plum tree had taken a direct hit by lightning and was destroyed, but there was a branch that had ripped off first that still was supple and had sap within it. The farmer picked it up and realized that the base of that branch fit exactly into the area on the peach tree where the one branch had been ripped off. So he packed it there, put soil around it, and just hoped for the best. Well, that plum branch grew roots into the peach tree system. However, in the spring there were flowers, and in the summer there was fruit. The peach branches still produced peaches. The plum branch produced plums. However, the peach tree thrived by its acceptance of the grafted-in plum branch to bind up its wounds, and the plum branch thrived based on its willingness to grow its roots into the peach tree system. Well, the root, of course, is the Lord. The peach tree 
represents Israel or the Jews, the ripped-off branch, those that do not accept Messiah, and the grafted in are the Gentile church. We are different. We don't swap DNA, but we thrive to the degree that we support each other as one body. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Susie Lynette, author of her latest great read, God is in the Waiting. Susie, we need to have you back for another segment. Uh, so many more questions and so little time. Last question. At the time this broadcast will officially air via Salem Radio Network nationwide and globally everywhere else, May 14th, 2021, Israel will be celebrating her 73rd birthday. Talk about the significance of this day for you personally as a Messianic believer in Yeshua and why every Christian should also be celebrating and honoring this historical day of victory for God's chosen. Well, thank you for that opportunity. Israel is fundamentally the home of God's chosen people. Now, as I said, that doesn't make a Jew better than a Gentile. It is distinction. It is not better or worse. The Lord chose the Jewish nation to be the one to bring the light of Messiah, as well as a moral code, a form of government, and even monotheism into the world. Whether one likes that or not, it is what God did. And he also said, I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee. We also know that when Yeshua the Messiah or Jesus Christ returns, he is going to be entering through the eastern gate of the temple in Jerusalem. So to say that that doesn't have relevance anymore would really be wrong because it's not only relevant now, it's relevant eternally. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to author, speaker, teacher, and founder of Devar Shalom Ministries, Suzanne Lynette. Her latest great read, God is in the Waiting, Finding Strength in the Things that Cause Us to Pause. You can learn more about Susie's work, ministry, and mission by visiting devarshalom.org and get her book, Invite Her to Speak. You will be blessed informed and inspired that you did. Susie Lynette, thank you for taking the time after all this time and graciously so to share just a little of your amazing, heart-wrenching yet hopeful story of overcoming not just the physical ramifications of your journey, but spiritual as well as your latest great read, God is in the Waiting, will attest your life is proof that out of much pain needed patience and perseverance god really is in the waiting and with yeshua central to it all all things are indeed possible as you so beautifully declare in your 52-week devotional that all of us can subscribe no matter our size ethnicity character or circumstances God is in the waiting is the waiting that is worth it. We thank you. God bless you. Shalom, shalom. Thank you very much for the honor of being here and sharing with you today. I look forward to coming back in the future. 
Testimony is a global broadcast made possible by the generous contributions of our valued partners at Jensen Bard Ministries and you, our listening audience. Together, we are reaching souls for Christ, one testimony at a time. If you would like information on how you can support this broadcast with your tax-deductible gift, please visit us at jensenbard.com. That's one word, J-E-N-S-I-N-E-B-A-R-D.com. And join the conversation at our Facebook page, Testimony with Jensen Bard. Thank you for listening, and please join us again for Testimony. Testimony.